Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast. And every week I pick a topic. Now, usually it's something I've just seen in press releases or in the literature, the scientific literature, and I'll pick that as a topic. And it has to be stuff I know something about, thankfully. Uh, and sometimes it's a request. And again, always happy to get requests. And I do cover things occasionally. I've had a couple of requests this week and I'm doing a bit of digging into the topics to see if, if I can talk about them in enough, in enough detail. And again, as I say, it's got to be stuff I know something about. So it's usually in the biomedical, immunology, pharmacological thing. But this week is a bit slightly different. It's about Elon Musk. This is the science of putting a chip in your brain. Now, famously, wasn't it the Boomtown Rats who sang the silicon chip inside our head got switched to overload? Uh, we're in that realm, actually, the notion of a chip in the brain and that chip doing various things. Now, um, this has been going on for quite a while, uh, mainly in non-humans, in, in animals, of you know, various animal models of this to test for safety and see if these chips work. But this report, Elon Musk's company Neuralink, is the first to put a brain chip implant into a human. And his company, Neuralink, has managed to do this. And Elon Musk is a fascination. I, I mean, I think he's a bit like uh, those, remember those guys in the 19th century who were very entrepreneurial and they built steam engines and all kinds of things and they were inventing new things. Musk, I think, is the is the 21st century version of that. And his ambitions are huge here. I mean, he, this, is, this is one thing. He's doing lots of other things as well, of course. But he want, what he wants to do is put a digital chip into someone's brain that can measure brain signals and send those signals to a computer by Bluetooth, by Wi-Fi, and that computer then can do something based on those brain signals. And he's managed to take the first step in that direction. Uh, and what he reported was, in a one-liner, he put the chip in someone's brain and said, initial results show promising neuron spike detection. That's important now, because when neurons fire, and of course our brains are made of all these neurons, you can detect neuronal activity. Little electrical spikes go up and down, and the chip was able to detect those and send that signal to a computer. So it's seen as an advance, because now you can read brain waves. And of course, that's a step in the direction of being able to do certain things. And, and, and neurons are everything in the brain. They're the communicating things. And very importantly, where they're trying to head with this is that you will think a thought, and that thought might be, uh, good morning, how are you? Say, right, now, this, this is a bit science fiction-y, but this, this is what Musk's ultimate aim, one of the aims is going to be. And the chip can pick up that thought, send it to a computer and type that out. And then maybe send it as a message from a smartphone. That's one possibility. Equally, your brain might think, I want to move my leg, say. And the chip then will detect that and send that signal to a computer to a prosthetic limb. And the limb will now move. And as you'll hear in a minute when I come on to come on to this, that was done last May. Uh, there was an interesting uh, step in that direction as well. So there's all kinds of applications if this works. There's also concerns, as we know, which I will come on to in a minute. But but Musk sent out his ex. It's not called a tweet anymore. And he said initial users will be those who've lost the use of their limbs. He said, imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than a speed typist or auctioneer. That is the goal. Uh, and of course, that'll be the first application. And um, because obviously things like quadriplegia and paralysis, uh, if we could come up with a way for a chip in the brain to sense the desire to move, and that can be connected via computer to either a prosthetic limb or maybe to muscles, and bypass the damage in the spinal cord. That'd be a tremendous thing to see. Uh, the second, and that, that's not too far away based on this. Now, again, 
let's let's manage expectations. These are all still a work in progress. Uh, but that's where this is headed. There's also the capacity eventually, and, and, and this is real, that you will think a thought and it will be uh, come up on a computer screen. And then a voice, you know, in other words, like the Stephen Hawking that he mentioned there, you can speak in a much more sort of natural way from what you're thinking, much much faster than having to sort of do it in, 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 in type, by typing and in some other way. And that'll be something else that might be possible. And that's people have had strokes, or people who can't speak because of various diseases like motor neuron disease. And what I like about this is there's lots of companies doing this, not just Neuralink. Uh, there's a massive amount of activity. And in fact, uh, as ever, the investors are looking at this and seeing if they can invest money in these things. And I saw as well that uh, one prediction is that by 2030, this will be a $30 billion market. Now, now that's projected if everything works out. But that just shows you the optimism is high. Now, again, Optimism is often high with venture capital, but still, they're trying. And some of the brightest and best are getting involved in this to see if they can optimize this technology, and Neuralink is a good example of it. Now, another bit of um, the financials for you. Neuralink, it's taken eight years to get to this point. So it's not as if it can be done quickly. There's a lot of barriers and efforts have to go into it. Uh, and they've raised, they spent a total of $363 million so far to get to this point. And again, that will be largely Musk himself reinvesting his money. And now that's why I guess they're so excited. Now, the thing is, uh, it's a one-liner. Um, as ever with these things, you want to see the proper publication, look at the safety side of it, look at the data. But but obviously, it must, it's more than likely true, let's put it that way, that, that this has been achieved. And what happened was a robot surgically placed this wireless Neuralink implant into the cerebral cortex. And what happened was a thousand really thin wires penetrated down into the cortex and they were the ones that could pick up the signal from the brainwaves. Uh, now, the question was who volunteered for that? Because this is obviously very invasive and would you volunteer to have little wires stuck into your brain? We don't know who the volunteer was, but we, we thank them for putting their hand up and going for this. It was probably somebody with some, some kind of paralysis. And it turns out thousands are now volunteering for the next phase of this to have their brains chipped. And wouldn't it be wonderful if this all works? Musk has also said his ultimate goal or his immediate goal is to put a Fitbit in your skull. Doesn't sound great, does it? But still a device that can pick up things in your brain, a bit like a Fitbit, which many people have to detect things in their bodies. And it sounds a bit like science fiction, but this is the first step in the right direction. Now, of course, um, this has been going on for a few years, as I say. Many companies have been trying to link the brain to computers. The devices are called brain-computer implants, or BCIs. And there's around about 200,000 people already have some kind of BCI, for medical reasons mainly. Uh, the best example we have is cochlear implants. Now, when this came out, this Elon Musk um, announcement, I was at a conference. I often go to conferences, as any regular listeners might know. And I was in Manchester at the Biomedical uh, Centre in Manchester. They've got a fantastic Biomedical Research Centre there. Uh, they've got 60 million in investment, actually, from the UK government, from the NHS, to work on various things. One thing they work on is deafness in that centre. And there was a world expert on cochlear implants. And I was able to ask him all about the, oh yes, he says, the cochlear implant plugs into your ear and into your brain, you know, and it's replacing a damaged ear. And the sensors there that connect, that pick up the sound, the frequency, and then connect through a neural network process or wires, if you like, into your brain, into your auditory nerve, and people can hear a bit with these cochlear implants. Now there's an example, there's the first example in a way of this, whereby uh, an implant is able to register something in your brain from some signal it's detecting. And these cochlear implants make a difference. And they're not perfect, uh, and this centre in Manchester is trying to make them 
better in various ways. They're using artificial intelligence in these now. So the AI can interpret the sound coming in and then trigger the nerve in a more precise way. That's more uh, like natural hearing, I guess. And AI is going to be a very important part of this. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But certainly the cochlear implant is the first example. The second example of an implant is to do with epilepsy. And again, you can stick a device into the brain that picks up, picks up brain waves and warns the person that there might be an epileptic fit coming. Isn't that incredible? And uh, that person might take meds or might avoid certain stimuli to avoid the epileptic attack coming on. Uh, there's talk of using those devices in the brain, can you imagine, to release a drug to suppress the epileptic seizure. Wouldn't that be incredible? So the brain waves are changing because of the impending epileptic uh, seizure. Uh, the chip detects that because it can pick up those brain waves in the brain and then it releases the, a drug. That's the hope. It hasn't been done yet. At the moment, it's just a warning to say, look, uh, there may be an epileptic fit imminent. And that still is a big help for people with epilepsy. The other example is Parkinson's. You can get deep brain stimulation with these implants and that can bring some benefits. Uh, there are issues as well, of course. Uh, and then depression is another one when they're thinking of implants to help stimulate the brain and, and, and relieve depression. Uh, there's also talk of obsessive compulsive disorder and autoimmune disease. And that, that was my interest, how, how I got into it, really. Uh, the vagus nerve, and I've done a podcast on this before. If you stimulate the vagus nerve in the body with an implant or some kind of device, they can have an anti-inflammatory effect and limit the damage in a disease like rheumatoid arthritis, for instance. So vagal nerve stimulation might be part of this. But getting back to this specific thing, again, as I say, um, Musk's initial goal is to treat paralysis or come up with a better way to, to, uh, to help people walk, I guess, and regain movement in muscles. And last May, not with Musk, an advance was reported by scientists in Switzerland and an implant was used to provide what's called a digital bridge is what they called between the brain and the spinal cord in a man who was paralyzed from the hips down 12 years previously and they were using this bridge now it wasn't a wi-fi device as far as i can make out it was a physical bridge if you like they could they could bypass the damaged part of the spinal cord plug in somewhere else and then he could have a thought about moving and he would move so in other words the brain patterns the neuronal activity when he was thinking, I want to stand up, say, that was being interpreted by the chip and that was sending it through this bridge mechanism into the muscles in his legs. And he was able to stand up. He was, he's now able to stand at a bar and have a drink. He's able to walk to some extent. And this was a big breakthrough. It was a, 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 you know, the um, first real example of this. And artificial intelligence, very importantly, was part of this. The AI had to be used to interpret the brainwaves because they're very complicated. Like if you have a certain thought process, you can imagine billions of neurons firing and that has to get read as a thought that says I want to stand up so AI had to be used in that as well a great example of the application of AI really and then he was able to stand up and the lead researcher Greg Guarcurtin said we've captured the thoughts of Gert Jan that was the name of the person and translated these thoughts into a stimulation of the spinal cord to re-establish, re-establish a voluntary movement. The man can now walk in a limited way. He can get in and out of his car, actually, and he can also stand at a bar. Now, this sounds great, doesn't it? But the, 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 the challenges here are a lot of surgery was needed for this, a lot of surgery intervention. And secondly, it won't work in every case of damage, and they're trying to figure out which people it might benefit most. So it's still experimental. And again, people are volunteering, obviously, to try and get involved in this. Uh, and again, this Swiss grouper again pressing ahead and, and let's hope we see more progress with them and again they publish their paper as ever as I mentioned you publish your work 
other people see it and now other people follow up on this and try and improve it and that's the way science moves forward so it's fantastic advance that study in may now can you imagine what musk is now thinking you will have the brain implant picking up the desire to move it will send it as a wi-fi signal to a computer or to a device in your muscle and the muscle will now contract and you can move and wouldn't that be tremendous just like the body works normally remember you think i'm going to stand up and the brain triggers that and then you move so that's the idea here it won't be perfect of course it'll be a real advance uh, now let's finish on the science science fiction part and uh, when you read about this and the, the, lots of people reporting on this um who knows this may be the future get ready for this so can you imagine if you can read your thoughts on this chip send them as a wi-fi signal to a computer and ask a question so for example you know what's the capital of france as a trivial example that goes out of your brain your thought process thinks the question goes into the computer into your smartphone and it sends a signal back to your brain and that signal gets interpreted as Paris. Now, can you imagine that for a minute? And this is not beyond the bounds of possibility. It's a bit, bit of a ways off, I suppose. But uh, if you can now just think and get answers through a computer sent back to your brain, it's the end of pub quizzes. Um, it's the end of exams because all information now can be accessed in that way. They're talking about this uh, as a way to get rid of monitors. The first application might be, as I say, to think at a sentence that gets sent to your smartphone and gets sent as a text message. No need to use your hand to type it in and no need to hold a smartphone even anymore. So no need for monitors is where this might go. That might be the next thing. Sending it back to the brain is the challenge because how the hell do you interpret that? But if you can read a thought with AI, why not send a signal that will create a thought? And then all kinds of ethical questions come up, of course. Uh, thought control. Now, this is obviously in the world of science fiction as well. But again, the ethics of this are putting chips in people's brains that can send and receive signals, that's a big ethical question that we must address. And now is the time, I guess, to start talking about those ethical concerns that we might have. Uh, but, you know, I mean, science fiction has often featured these sorts of things. Uh, my own favourite is the Borg from Star Trek, and they have, uh, they've just got this synthetic, organic, hybrid existence, right? And the great quote is, human, we used to be exactly like them, flawed, weak, organic, but we evolved to include the synthetic. Now we use both to attain perfection. And the Borg form this massive network. If you've seen Star Trek, it's one of my favourite things. Uh, the great line in it, I think it was Elon Musk actually who might have said this, maybe not. Resistance is futile. So, who knows where this is going to go next? And as ever, it's moving at a pace. Massive investment. The medical benefits could be huge if this is cracked, remember, superb. And then beyond that into other things that we need to be careful about and to think about the ethics of. But certainly uh, this is seen as a step in that direction. And the analogy that's been given is like the steam engine. When that was invented, it was first used to pump water out of a mine. And someone said, hang on, we can make an engine that will turn wheels and, and get, get a train moving or whatever. And that, the industrial revolution took off and look what happened next. So if we fast forward 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, who knows where this kind of technology will go. And the AI part of it is going to be really, really important. So again, one to watch. Let's see what the next developments are. And let's hope we see this become a reality for people with certain conditions who might really benefit from having their brain shipped with a device such as the one reported by Neuralink. So there you have it, the science of brain chips, implants, and I hope uh, you got some useful information from that. Uh, and as ever, thanks very much for listening. And of course, my podcast is a news talk production and it's available for download every Thursday. And let me be upfront about this. I actually gave this podcast with a chip in my brain. Owen was typing the words and I spoke them, just in case you're wondering. So thanks very much for listening. <laughs>